Turn please in the scriptures to Acts the first chapter, Acts chapter 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 1, Acts 1, 2 Timothy 1. In Acts 1, Jesus has raised from the dead and he, hundreds of people have seen him after he's been raised from the dead. And his closest disciples are there with him now. This is just moments before he ascends. And he's saying some things to them about the kingdom. And in Acts 1.8, he said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, ghost is an old English word for spirit, after that the Holy Spirit's come upon you, And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Right before Jesus ascended, he tells them this and us. Are we a part of the same New Testament church? Do we have the same new birth experience, same Holy Spirit? Yes. And uh, he said... You shall receive power. Now that's something beyond you. That's from him. And it comes after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And that power is for what? You shall be witnesses. And he, uh, Jerusalem was right there where they were. And then Judea, Samaria, uh, a broadening sphere of influence an increasing enlarging sphere of influence to the uttermost part of the earth let me read some other translations of this to you the message bible in verse 7 let's back up to verse 7 and get more of this in the message acts 1 7 message they asked him would he at this time restore the kingdom to israel israel was under roman rule And, uh, of course, like any nation under the power of another, they long for their independence and their freedom. And so with Jesus' resurrection, you couldn't blame them for thinking, this is it. He's he's raised from the dead. Who can counter that? (laughs) And he's going to be the new king of Israel, and the Romans are in trouble. (laughs) And we're going to have our freedom And we're going to regain our status as a world power. And uh, he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the father's business. What did King James say? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father's put in his power. Now, you know, uh, a lot of people are spending a lot of time trying to figure out the times and seasons. <laughs> well, what does this mean? not our part. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? It's not for you to know the times and seasons. Would you concede there are some things that are not given us to know concerning times and seasons? And you can study all you want to. And you're not going to find it out. 
and you're not going to figure it out. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care how many languages you can speak. Hmm? Read and write. Why? Because if it's not given, it's not given. And you can come up with something. And you can come up with dates. And for generation after generation, they've come and they've gone. And they've come and they've gone. So we need to watch about this kind of thing. But what should we be focusing on? What's the next verse say? Verse 8. What you'll get, you're not going to get the time and season information. But what you do get is the Holy Spirit. Should we be shouting more about the Holy Spirit than predicting dates and times and seasons? You get the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses. Somebody say his witnesses. witnesses. My witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Now put, if you have the Weist translation, put it up. I really like this one. Verse 6. It said, Then indeed having assembled together, they went to asking him, saying, Lord, at this time are you restoring to its former state the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not yours to know the chronological events in the passing of time, nor the strategic epochal periods of time which the Father placed within the sphere of his own private authority. That's not given to you. But what is given to you? You shall receive the power. (laughs) I think I'd rather have the power than a date. Anyway. You shall receive power of the kind which God has and exerts. Power of the kind which God has and exerts. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be those who testify of what they have seen and experienced. My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, And in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Said out loud. Power Power to be witnesses. witnesses. Power Power to testify. testify. Glory to God. Who's that for? That's for every, every, every believer. Now look in uh, 2 Timothy the first chapter. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Witnesses unto me. At home. And then in an increasing enlarging sphere of influence. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 7 says. God has not given us the spirit of fear. We've received the Holy Spirit. Fear is not holy. Fear is of the evil one. Don't assume you have done everything you need to do about getting rid of fear. It is one of the most insidious, persistent problems in life. And it is one of the most serious issues because your fears will come on you. If you keep dreading a thing, And fearing a thing, 
It's a spiritual principle that you're drawing it to you. And you're drawing yourself to it. Just like your faith will come on you. Your fears will come on you. So we've got to get fear out of us. How do you get fear out of you? Get faith into you. How do you get faith into you? It comes by hearing. And hearing by the anointed word of God. Which is why we're all up in here shouting today. Right? With our Bibles open. What are we doing? We're getting rid of fear. Getting full of faith. Getting rid of fear. Come on, say it out loud. I'm getting full of faith. And getting rid of fear. Do you have to have fear? God didn't give it to you. I said God didn't give it to you. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. What kind of spirit did he give us? The Holy Spirit who is the spirit of power. And the spirit of love. And the spirit of a sound mind. You're you're not of a sound mind when you're gripped with fear and terror. You're beside yourself. You're unstable. Oh, but when you're full of faith, I call it the law of displacement. You ever drink some coffee or milk or something in a cup and you want to get that out of there, you put it in the sink under the, the faucet and without doing one thing, you can just turn the faucet on and let that water pour into that cup. And initially, it'll be a mix of milk and water or coffee and water, but quickly, it's less and less coffee or milk and more and more water until it's just completely clear and there's no more where'd the milk go where'd the milk go where'd the coffee go it got so full of water there was no more room for the milk you can get so full of faith that there's no more room for the fear I know we had a lady years ago at Brother Kenneth Hagin's healing school that I was privileged to work in for a number of years. She was pronounced terminal and uh, no hope given. And she came, stayed with us, I think, three months, five days a week. <laughs> We're there twice a day <laughs> uh, t- preaching on healing and faith, healing and faith, healing and faith, healing and faith. And uh, I got word uh, from her. Some, uh, oh, four or five months later, got a good report. Hallelujah. Clean bill of health. Now, how does that work? How does that work? Terminal, no hope. Now, clean bill of health. How does that happen? How does that work? (laughs) Somebody said, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you won't be bothered with it. (laughs) This doesn't happen to unbelievers. (laughs) And so, somebody asked her, what happened to you? She said, I guess I got so full of the word and faith, there was no more room for that cancer. <laughs> she said, it pushed it out of me. And that is true. That is a spiritual principle. You can get so full of the word and faith till it, it pushes fear out of you. It pushes depression out of you. Anxiety, worry, disease. We're not talking about what a man can do. We're talking about what the word of the living God can do. The psalmist said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Thank you, Lord. 
God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Verse 8. Notice what the very next verse says. What's he talking about when he says we didn't have the spirit of fear? Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. He's talking about not being afraid in connection with testifying. And the testimony of the Lord. Nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That is, testify, be a witness, no matter what. No matter the dangers, no matter the threats, no matter the challenges. Well, you're going to have to get past fear. Right? To do that. You're going to have to get get over your fears and insecurities. Actually, verse 7 Again, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. Some translations say he didn't give us the spirit of timidity. Timidness is a form of fear. And it's not okay. People think, well, that's just my personality. No, it's ugly, stinking fear. You need to get rid of it. I'm just timid. That's just the way I am. No, that's the way you have become, not the way you have to be. And we're not supposed to be arrogant. We're not supposed to be pushy, but we are supposed to be bold. Bold just means you're sure about what you know. And you're not ashamed of it. And you're not afraid of it. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And with that power, what are you enabled and empowered to do? You're empowered to be a witness. To testify. To overcome your fears. And not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Finally, in Revelation 12, when I say finally, I'm talking about my text. Revelation 12, verse 11. I just didn't want somebody to get excited. Think, oh, he's about done. No, I'm not even close to being done. Revelation 12, 11. <laughs> and they overcame him, him talking about the devil, the evil one, the accuser of the brethren. They overcame him how? By two things. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And what else? What else? What else? The word of their testimony. Hallelujah. Is there power in this anointed testimony? It's devil, sin, disease, problem, overcoming power. In this anointed testimony. Now, when we say witness, the Lord's prompted me about this while we're getting into the series now, that uh, there's been misconceptions and there's been, uh, this is the word I use, the concept of being a witness has been religiousized. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't know if that's a word, but do you know what I'm talking about? It's been changed from its original meaning. And we need mind renewal. And you got people that are trying to do some things that are they shouldn't be trying to do. And you got folks that are not trying to do anything. And it's because of misconceptions of what Jesus said here, what this is about. And it's one of the most powerful things in our life. So we need to be clear on it. We need to have it strong. In uh, these scriptures where it says you'll be witnesses, the same word uh, oftentimes is translated 
both witness and testify. Same word. And there are about four different words in the Greek, five actually, that have the same root word of this meaning. And we get our word martyr from it. The word martyr is the same word translated witness in the New Testament is sometimes translated martyr. Exact same word. So what does that mean? Well, a, literally, a witness is one who testifies. Now, I know I may sound oversimplistic to you for a little bit, but later on you'll, you'll see why. Everybody said out loud with me, a witness, a witness is, one is one who testifies. What's a witness? One who What's a witness? One who, one who does what? Testifies. And it is a legal term. Both in New Testament Greek and in secular Greek of the day, it's just exactly like we use it today. Witness is a legal term. Testify is a legal term. Legal term. And it means literally to affirm what one has seen, heard, or knows. We would call it eyewitness eyewitness of it you saw it you heard it you know it you're a witness and you can testify to what you saw what you heard what you know that's what he's talking about when he says you'll be my witnesses and that's what the Holy Spirit's power enables us to be is witnesses To testify. Another definition of it is to go on record. And of course, in the court of law, somebody is a witness, they give testimony, it goes on record. Another definition of it is evidence. Your testimony is evidence. Tell me what a witness is. One who testifies. Testifies of what? What they've seen, what they've heard, what they know, what they've seen, what they've heard, what they know. Now, uh, all through the scriptures, you'll see the term of witness. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses about this in the Old and New Testaments. The Bible said God is a witness. Is that right? What does a witness do? Does God testify? Did you know God testifies about people? Well, now that's good testimony there, isn't it? How many think you could count on that? God testifies about his people's faith and faithfulness. If God testifies that you got faith, you got faith. Is that right? If God testifies that you're faithful, you're faithful. Did you know in the beginning the the ark of the tabernacle was also called the ark of witness? The ark of testimony. And the things that were in it, the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, 
the tablets of the uh, commandments that God wrote with his finger. Those are all witnesses. Witnesses. The very, their existence is a witness to something. Is evidence of something. The Bible said the heaven and earth itself is witness. And God more than once said, I call heaven and earth to go on record as a witness concerning this, sometimes against you, right? The psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God. You look up tonight in the night sky and you will be hearing testimony. You see the twinkling of the stars? You know that's not just a little twinkle, twinkle. That is a star. Millions of light years away. What's it saying to you? It's saying there's something really big out here. There's something really amazing out here. Someone made me. And he's bigger than I am. The sunlight out here right now. Every green plant and animal. What are they saying? They're testifying. They're saying we exist for a reason. So we're not sure about all that. Nobody's ever proved God didn't do it. <laughs> because you can't. And all these ideas about how it came to be. Notice a very significant word in the front of it. Theory. Theory. You know what a theory is? My father in the faith had a definition for theory. Brother Kenneth Hagin, he said a theory is a supposition based upon ignorance of the topic under discussion. (laughs) Well, it has to be. Because if you knew, it wouldn't be a theory. (laughs) It's amazing. People take theories as facts and they teach them as science. It's ignorance. At least be honest and say, we don't know. I had an idea. Could this could have happened? Well, that's just an idea. No, night after night, the heavens declare, testify the glory of God. Can you hear the witness? Take a breath. How'd you get here? And your parents and their parents and back to the beginning. Your existence is a testimony. Yes, it is. And the fact that you're still here yeah. after these years and these challenges and these trials and all the close calls that you and I had. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. Our existence today, our, our, our presence on the planet yeah. and that we're doing as well as we are yeah. is a testimony. Yeah. It's evidence. Of a good God. And a faithful God. But you and I are supposed to go. With our own testimony. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. In our. Communications and walk of life. We are to be. Living. Witnesses. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Unafraid. Overcoming the spirit of fear. Having the spirit of power and love and a sound, stable mind. (laughs) Somebody say glory to God. 
The Bible said the gospel is witness. Jesus is called the faithful and true witness. The Holy Spirit is witness. The works of God are witness. And we are witnesses. Somebody said out loud, we are witnesses. Go with me to James, the third chapter, please. We're laying a foundation. You know how we do. We're going to build on it. You may hear about this for months. What's the outcome? If God's talking about this, what do you think's going on? What do you think's supposed to be the outcome? Look around the building. I mean, we're, there's a few people here. What if everybody here and everybody online was a powerful witness for the master at home, on the job, everywhere they go, everything they do, they were Jesus testifiers, witnesses. Now, can you feel when I said that? I lost some folks. <laughs> Did you feel it? Folks are going like, uh, he's going to preach on witnessing. He's going to preach on going witnessing. And mm. No, don't judge too quick. You're going to like this. This is going to set you free. This is not, this is, I don't know that you've heard it just like this. And it's why we're talking about it. The Lord's given us something really good. How many know the truth will make you free? It'll make you free. And anytime you hadn't been free in something, you haven't seen and walked in the truth on it. There's something you're missing there. There's something you're thinking wrong about, believing wrong about, trying to do that's not right. And when you find the truth, it all clears up and it all frees up. James 3, verse 1. I'm going to read the NIV. James 3, 1 NIV. It said, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. How many? How many? Have you ever heard the phrase, we should all be preachers? <laughs> should we all try to be preachers? Should we? Not many of you should presume to be teachers, ministers, teachers, preachers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. The complete English says, my friends, we should not all try to become teachers. We should not all try to be teachers. Bible teachers. Bible preachers. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 29. 1 Corinthians 12, 29. He says, are all apostles? What's the answer to that? No. Well, can everybody be an apostle if you want to be? No. no. Are all prophets? No. What's the answer to this? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Workers of miracles. It didn't say you couldn't get a miracle. You have a ministry. Uh, these, every one of these are ministries. Calls and anointings for ministry. Well, it goes on, um, but let's just look at those first three. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? No. 
And should all try to be? No. Acts 1.8. Put it back up on the screen for us. We should be able to quote this. Acts 1.8. Jesus said what? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you. And you shall be preachers. You shall be preachers. You'll all be preachers. Why do I say that? Because <laughs> people think that means I have to go preach to somebody. I have to go preach to somebody. They've equated being a witness with being a preacher. And it's not. I heard some sighs right there. Ha. <sighs> Glory to God. See, you've had two errors. Where people that thought, well, I, I need to be a witness. I need to be a witness. And in their mind, that means I need to go a preaching. I need to find somebody and preach to them. I need to preach an evangelistic message to them. I need to try to be an evangelist. So I got to learn my scriptures. Isn't that right? Well, are we reading the same scriptures? Should everybody try to be teachers, preachers, prophets? No. Well, then everybody shouldn't try to go a preaching or a teaching. But that's not the same as being a witness. Do you have to be a preacher to get on the witness stand and testify in court? Only preachers can be witnesses to testify in court. No. What do you have to be to be a witness? You saw it. You heard it. You know it. You were there. You can be a witness. You can be a witness. If, we're going to talk about this later, if your word can be counted on. But it's got nothing to do with being a preacher. Say love. Think about that. We need to get clear on this. Teaching something you know doesn't make you a teacher. Prophesying doesn't make you a prophet. Telling something you know doesn't make you a preacher. And People try to, you know, people are called by their mothers. And people are called by their spouses. I think you should be. You know, you, you can do this because they have, you know, maybe they can speak in front of people. Or, or maybe they, they have a, an experience. Or maybe this or that. Well, you know, you must be a preacher. And everybody that gets serious about God and getting close to God will come back and say, I just feel like I have a call on my life. Yeah, everybody does. But everybody doesn't have a call to be a preacher or a teacher or a pastor. So you got people that think, well, if, I, if I'm really going to be a witness for God, I have to quit my job and I have to go into the ministry full time. And I've seen people do that that were not called. And it's miserable. 
They're not anointed. And they struggle and struggle and study and study. You can go to school and get your doctorate of divinity. And that will not make you a preacher. You can, you can speak multiple languages. You can go all over the world and study archaeology. You can have degrees in philosophy and everything else and counseling. None of that can make up for the absence of a call and anointing. Your spouse can't make you a, a preacher. Your mother and father can't make you a preacher. Your pastor, your ministers, your denomination, they can line you up. They can give you paperwork. None of that makes you a minister of the word. Now, I'm not knocking study. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not knocking any of these things. The Bible said study to show yourself approved. But study alone cannot make up for the lack, absence of call and anointing. We must distinguish between preacher, teacher, apostle, prophet, these ministry gifts, and being a witness. They're not the same thing. Everybody can be a witness. Everybody's supposed to be a witness. Now, uh, let me read some of these to you. I know some of you are thinking your gears are going. That's okay. supposed to be. But we're going somewhere. Acts 1.8. Tell me again. You shall receive power. Power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll what? One translation said you'll testify. Remember Weiss translation? You'll testify of what you've seen and heard. It's not about coming up with a message and being able to quote the right verses to people. It's not about that. It's not about going a witnessing, trying to put a notch on your pistol handle. I got one. You should be hungry to win people. That's, that's true. But how do you do it? People have been so uncomfortable trying to preach to folks when they're not a preacher. Amen. Trying to remember the verses. Was that Romans 10, 9 or Romans 9, 10? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just not a very good witness. You're not trying to witness. You're trying to preach. Who said you're supposed to be trying to preach? What are you supposed to do? A witness of what? A witness of what? Of how much Bible you know? No. A witness of what? Listen to some of these verses. When the Lord spoke to Paul, when he got saved, he told him in Acts 22, he said, you shall be uh, his witnesses, the man ministering to him, of what you have seen and heard. Hallelujah. John 3.11 says, we speak what we know, Jesus said. We testify what we have seen. He that has seen and heard, he testifies. Verse 32. Acts 1.22, when they sought for the disciple, the replacement of Judas, here's the requirements. He must be somebody 
that has accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up, he has to be ordained to be a witness of the resurrection. The only way you could be one of those 12 witnesses, you had to have been with Jesus when he was on the earth and you had to have seen him after he was raised from the dead. They were eyewitnesses. See, you can't be that eyewitness. You didn't walk with Jesus when he was in the flesh and you didn't see him outside the tomb or in the upper room, right? You can't testify to that. You can say, I believe it. But here's the distinguishing thing. Are you supposed to be a witness of what your church believes? Are you supposed to be a witness of some doctrine somebody preached? No. And that's where people stumble. They're trying to prove to people that Jesus is the Son of God from scriptures in Isaiah and Jeremiah. And they're not equipped to that and they're not comfortable with that. They're trying to remember this and that. And they're stumbling around and they're looking at the people losing interest while they're talking. And it's uncomfortable and it's awkward. And they think, I ain't doing this anymore. (laughs) And so people will go years and do nothing. And they don't feel good about that either. But it is just too awkward and uncomfortable to try to preach to people. Well, of course it is. If you're not anointed to do it. Now I'm preaching to you. But I'm comfortable. (laughs) This is my job. Right? I give myself to this full time. And it is my call. It is my anointing. Now I'm also a witness. You won't preach long without being a witness. But you can be a witness without preaching. He said, you'll be witness unto all men of what you have seen and heard. First John 1 talks about this. First John 1 and 1. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. John 1, 1. Which we have seen. Does this sound like witness to you? T- testify. What's he saying? What's John saying? I was there. I saw it. I heard it. What else? We looked upon with our eyes. Our hands have handled. I've had my head on his shoulder. (laughs) I was there. I saw it. I heard it. And when he raised from the dead, I saw the empty tomb. I saw him when he said, it's me. Don't be afraid. I was there when he talked to us about the kingdom before he ascended and went out of sight in the clouds. He said, I was there. Now people can say, I don't know if I believe that or not. A man with an experience is not at the expense of a man with an argument. People can preach all they want to. There's no more water in the pool. The uh, dispensation of water in the pool has come and gone. We're in the dry dispensation. But if you are wet swimming in the pool, what does that mean to you? You're doing the backstroke. I'm a witness. I'm splashing. Do you see this? I can testify. I'm wet. 
So I don't care about all your dry dispensation doctrine. Huh? I'm talking about what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced, what I know. And old friend, that's why the Holy Spirit has come on us to empower us and embolden us to testify to what we have seen and heard and known. Can you say amen? Amen. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And we do what? We bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. How does this work practically, day to day? It's real simple. You will be in situations in life, at home, on the job, with family, friends, strangers, and you don't have to try to preach to everybody you meet. A lot of these folks don't know you and they don't care. And even if you pinned them down and virtually forced them to quote what you're saying, that does not mean they got born again if they don't even believe what you're talking about. But at the same time, you don't want to do nothing. See, people have thought it's either be a preacher or nothing. It's not be a preacher or nothing. It's be a witness. And that's not something you just go doing once in a while. He didn't say you shall go a witnessing. You will be. That's something you are everywhere, all the time, 24-7, right? I am a witness. Say it out loud. I am a witness. A witness of what? What you've seen, what you heard, and what you know. You don't need to try to be a witness of something you heard somebody teach in a Bible doctrine that you don't half understand. What are you a witness of? You'll be in a situation. Something You rely on the Holy Spirit. You rely on Him. You're in a situation. Something comes up. Your co-worker at work there is... Uh, they come in, something's wrong with them, they're, they're sad, they're upset, you're talking at lunch break or something, and say, what's going on? And, and they say, you know, my, my three-year-old's been running a high fever, and, and this and that and the other, and, and, and I'm concerned about them, and we did this and this, but we've still been having trouble. And you'll get a prompting. Because you've been healed. And your babies have been healed. This is not some doctrine stuff that you not have. This is not you about trying to find scriptures to preach on something. You were there. You were there. You were there when your baby got healed. You were there. And you'll be prompted. And you'll say, well, let me tell you what happened to me. You're not trying to shove some doctrine down their throat. You're not trying to quote 25 verses to them that you're not sure where they are. But you're not afraid to speak up and tell what the Lord has done for you. You'll say, yeah, yeah, you know, six months ago, two years ago, whatever it was, you know, 
I had this with our little girl and it kept on and kept on and kept on. And uh, I, I just prayed and I asked the Lord and he showed me and he told me to do this and I did this and glory to God. I mean, it wasn't the by the end of the day that cleared up and it never came back. And they'll look at you. And you know what they'll look for? They'll look to see in your eyes, is this true? Are you telling the truth? Is this some religious junk? Are you making this up? Or And what they need to see, they need to see confidence. They need to see that there's not one shred of pretend or religious junk or tradition. You're not trying to religiousize them. Uh, you're not trying to proselytize them. This is not just about trying to get them to come to your church or any of that. You're telling them the truth. Yes. You're telling them the truth about what happened to you and what God did for you and it's real and no matter what their persuasion might be as they look into your eyes and they hear the tone of your voice, no matter what else is going on in their head, it'll strike inside them and the Spirit of God will show up. I said he'll show up and he will join you and co-witness with you. He will let them know they're telling you the truth. It really happened. It's really true. God is real. He's alive. He'll hear your prayer. And then if they do open up and they want to know more, one thing leads to the other. You can say, you want me to pray with you about your kid? He says, uh-oh, praying. Now I'm praying. <laughs> yeah, you can pray. Yes. Huh? You don't have to know 30 verses to pray. You just pray for them just like you prayed for yours. Come on, are you listening? Yeah. And just mix some faith in it. Just love and faith. But you're not ashamed. I said, you're not ashamed. You're not ashamed. And this can get so strong in you. You know why the same word translated witness and testify is translated martyr? It can get so strong in you, you get to the place where you would die before you say it's not true. And many have. And for all this is over, some more will too. But it's about standing up and not being afraid and not being ashamed. And so we're not talking about theory. We're not talking about philosophy. We're not talking about doctrine. I was there when I got born again. I was there when I got filled with the Spirit. I was there when God helped me pay my bills. I was there. I know it. You can't tell me. He won't meet your needs. You can't tell me. That you can't do even big things in the midst of trying times. I'm in the pool. I'm wet. And I'm not ashamed to testify that this water here is real. (laughs) Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Can you envision... If the entire body of Christ all over the world were bold, powerful witnesses everywhere they went of what Jesus had done for them, would it impact the planet? Would it? Would it could being scared 
Quit being embarrassed or ashamed. Quit trying to be a preacher or teacher if you're not. Do something that's not real or comfortable to you. Just do what he said. Say it out loud. I'm a witness. I'm a true witness of what the Lord has done for me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.